Welcome back to episode 23 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. Is your team in need of a bailout? Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, the podcast dedicated to the official FPL draft game. What a game week that was. 44 goals across 10 fixtures with Brighton, Liverpool and Villa, the only three capturing the rarest of creatures in FPL this season, the lesser spotted clean sheet. We are yet to see a draw in the league and only Everton, Leicester, Arsenal, Liverpool and Palace have come away with two wins from two. I've seen some massive scores this week from draft teams around the draft universe. Um, I think my favourite is a guy from a 16-man league who's managed to get 103, 105 points this week. But we have seen uh, a team from a 10-man league, if you go to our Twitter, who managed to get 122 points this week. A very nice way to set your season up. Pre-season, all the draft talk was over how limited the striker options were. And if you paid any attention to those warnings and came away with a couple of decent options up front, it is unlikely you've been let down so far. DCL, Mope, Lacazette, Richarlison, Mitrovic and the more attractive draft assets of Kane, Vardy, Jimenez and Ings have all kicked off their personal accounts and are all going into game week three averaging more than six points a game with DCL at the top of the forwards pile with 25 points which overall is second only to Hungmin's son who it seems must have been captained in Ralph Hassenhutl's FPL team. Of course, we are still in strange times and the transfer window is still in full swing and this week has seen some star-studded additions to the game. Thiago completed his move to Liverpool while Tottenham signed a pair of Real Madrid players, left-back Sergio Reguilón and some Welsh bloke that looks really familiar. A lot of the questions this week have been about these new guys so I'll take uh, time to focus on those on a segment towards the end. But let's get into it. Let's start by looking at some striker options then ahead of game week three. Not really many to discuss here unless you're in in sort of smallish leagues with with eight teams or less. Che Adams is the main uh, name that stands out seeing as he's free in most eight team leagues, free in about 70% of them. Played well against Spurs and did everything except put the ball in the net. And this is backed up by his XG stats showing he was the biggest underperformer out of all the strikers in the league this week with the numbers saying he should have had a goal for his efforts. Bamford is the only other option to mention, and is still owned uh, less than new signing Rodrigo, who did play last week, but played uh, in midfield and didn't didn't look great there. Uh, so far, Bamford has not given Bielsa, in my opinion, any reason to, to drop him from the forward spot. He works incredibly hard for the team. He won't be there for you to get in larger leagues, but could be a better option than your third forward in some of the smaller leagues. Onto the midfielders then, I'm going to sound a bit like a scratch record here. The first name I want to talk about is Leander Trossard, who remains criminally underowned, still only 12% ownership in eight team leagues and taken in just under half of 10 team leagues. Picked up an assist in game week two to go with his goal in the opening week. Brighton are looking really creative and really good. Um, and he's working well alongside Mope up front. So yeah, go and get him. The second one I want to mention is Click uh, for Leeds. Uh, was a hidden gem on last week's pod, but with ownership now above 50% in larger leagues, 
he's no longer ignored. Uh, it was thought to be Leeds' penalty taker going into the season. We had our first confirmation of that at the weekend against Fulham. Penalty takers are obviously a valuable commodity in the draft game and he could be a shrewd pickup for you. Let's look at some defenders now and again some familiar names here if you listen to last week's pod. I'm going to start with the two Leicester fullbacks, uh, James Justin and Timothy Castagna. Both of these were mentioned in the bulk of the pod last week, but Justin in particular could have been a hidden gem with his ownership levels, but they're certainly not hidden gems anymore with soaring ownership in the waivers and free agents last week. And now with further attacking returns, their ownership will only rise further. A goal for Justin and two assists for Castagna, which makes him the highest scoring defender going into game week three, make these both very appealing assets. The only slight snag here is that they are probably going to get smashed by Manchester City in game week three, a fixture that hasn't been kind to them in recent years, so are more likely going to appeal to managers that have the resources in their squad to be able to accommodate them on the bench until game week four. Tariq Lamptey again was another name mentioned last week and while his ownership roughly tripled between game weeks one and two, he remains free to pick up in the majority of leagues regardless of size. A man of the match performance against Newcastle popped up all over the place and looking like somebody that's going to help Brighton advance this year. An assist in each game so far and looking equally solid at the back. On paper, the next game against Man United looks difficult, but playing with that freedom he's got in the right wing-back role um, rather than right-back could see him terrorise United's left side, especially if their opening game was anything to go by. Now, he did come off with a knock in the Newcastle game, but the reports as of Tuesday when I'm recording this are that that was more of a precautionary move and he should be fine for the weekend. Uh, next, um, Keane and Coleman, Everton pair, were hidden gems last week, but have been promoted to the main section now with rising ownership. A couple of good fixtures coming up against Palace and Brighton, on paper at least, because both of those teams have started off really well. Um, but if they, if you know, if Everton want to show they're one of the big boys this year, they're two games that they would be targeting to win. Keane got a six-yard uh, smashing goal at the weekend, and is always a threat from set pieces. Surprisingly, or I found it surprising, he's never scored more than two league goals in a season and this year would seem like a good time for him to change that. So definitely the one I'd go for out of the two mentioned. If I had uh, Luca Dean in my team or, or Pickford in goal, I'd probably avoid picking these up. I'd avoid the double up. Finally then, uh, goalkeepers. Most of the ownership changes for the goalkeepers were moves in the right direction. Not much to talk about here, really. Martinez is the only standout with low-ish ownership at around 75 to 80% in larger leagues. And he kicked off his Villa career in style with a clean sheet and a penalty save. So confidence will be high and a pretty decent second keeper to rotate in when the fixtures are kind. On to the fun bit then and the hidden gems. Um, again, I'll go through each position and for those that missed last week's pod, the hidden gems uh, in order to qualify for this section need to have ownership of less than 10% generally across most league sizes so that for more than 90% of you, they're out there to get. So onto the goalkeepers, as I mentioned at the end of the of the last segment, not really much to talk about here and they're not really any hidden gems. Rodak remains the lowest owned amongst the starting keepers, and I wouldn't recommend picking him up unless you really need to. 
leagues with eight or less teams, Darlow uh, remains less than 10% ownership, uh, with Dubravka still at nearly 80%, despite looking like he's going to miss a few months through injury. So an easy like-for-like swap if you find yourself in that position. Defenders then, and there was a question on uh, Twitter from uh, Philip Clark. Thanks for the question, Phil, about hidden gem defenders um, who wanted some options in light of us seeing so many goals scored last weekend. Now, I guess there are two ways to approach this. First, do the usual thing and just look for the most likely clean sheets and assume what we saw last weekend in terms of the number of goals was an anomaly. Or secondly, is to assume that we're going to continue seeing a lot of goals scored and instead of looking to find clean sheets that aren't there, to try and find defenders with good attacking potential. So, in the vein of uh, the first option then, uh, I've picked Leeds. Now, last week I mentioned the Leeds defence in general and while all of their assets have seen an increase in their ownership, they all still sit below 10% in eight-man leagues with Dallas nailing increasing to just above 30% in the in the larger leagues. I did say I expected the back four to remain the same, but we saw Strauch replaced by Cooper against Fulham, and they still managed to ship three goals. So the defence still doesn't look happy dealing with the balls crossed in from wide, and their next opponent, Sheffield United, sit top uh, for crosses after the first two weeks. Now, this needs to be balanced with the fact that Sheffield United are the only team yet to score in the league this season, albeit with a missed penalty against Villa. They still lack uh, a lot of quality up front, and seeing Oli Burke start up top on Monday felt like Wilder was out of good ideas and just clutching at straws a bit. As it stands, goals don't seem to be a problem for most teams, so if you're looking to stream a defender this week, uh, Leeds versus Sheffield could be your way to go. Dallas and Ailing would remain the most attractive, as they also offer an attacking threat if this turns into another goal fest. Now, if the bookies are anything to go by, and they don't tend to like losing money, Chelsea away at West Brom um, are their pick for the most likely clean sheet in game week three. Now, before seeing West Brom play against Everton, I'd have tipped West Brom to be the early team to target when it comes to clean sheet mining. And while I still expect them to go down, I saw enough from their two main men in Pereira and Diangana to see them score some goals this season. However, that will be reliant on those two being pretty much at their best. We are talking about hidden gems here, though, and in order to find one, it will rely on second-guessing how Lampard lines them up at the back. Christensen hasn't impressed that much so far, and the red card will probably ease the selection headache that Frank's got. And as we saw Tomori come on to fill that gap against Liverpool, he would be my pick to start against West Brom. His ownership currently sits between 2 and 5%, so he should be someone you can go and get and will probably be off of a lot of people's radars. The added attraction to finding a starting Chelsea defender is that they follow that trip to West Brom with two home games against Palace and Southampton. Now, I always hate calling a clean sheet for my own team, uh, especially when my team is Spurs. But the fixture at home to Newcastle stood out when uh, glancing over the fixture list for game week three. And the bookies back it up too, with Spurs coming in just behind Chelsea in the clean sheet odds. Eric Dyer remains the lowest owned uh, amongst the starting candidates, and he's not done anything so far really to suggest that will change. In less than eight team leagues, his ownership is at 10% and under, 
but you might find him slightly more difficult to get in the larger leagues. I expect Alderweireld to share that right centre-back spot this season with Davison Sanchez. So if you see one playing in midweek, don't expect them to feature the following weekend. Davies could work as a short-term pickup, but there is a looming threat to his starting spot that I'll talk about later. Now, a bit of a U-turn. Vinagre for Wolves found himself on my over-owned list last week. And this was vindicated by Mark Howe being given the left wing-back spot on his debut. Mark Howe, however, only managed seven minutes against Manchester City before leaving due to injury. No news on how bad this currently is, but if there are any indications prior to the waivers that he's going to miss some game time, Vinagre becomes quite a nice pickup once again. His ownership is generally less than 10%, and even in leagues as big as 14 teams, he's there in more than 70% of them still. On to midfielders then. No real standout picks here, so um, just have a listen to the list and see if any resonate with you. The first one is um, a real hidden gem with ownership between 0 and 0.8% is Gineppo for Southampton who now finds himself in the starting 11 thanks to Nathan Redmond's injury in the Cup last week. A really exciting talent that was introduced to us last season. Excellent dribbler, goal threat, already has an assist to his name from the Spurs game and Southampton have a great run of fixtures coming up. If you're looking for a replacement for the likes of Redmond or Basuma, who you know aren't playing now, he could be a great one to get in while he's not being talked about too much. A rather less exciting pick, but a very hidden gem nonetheless, is Jeffrey Schlutt for Palace, whose ownership is just a smidge above 0%. A dependably average FPL pick, but could be somebody to get in for a little bit while Crystal Palace are on a hot streak. His place will probably come under pressure soon from the new signing Eze, and there's a good chance Hodgson will want to try and bring Batshuayi into the starting eleven as well. More of somebody to consider if you're in a bigger league, and the other options aren't there. Next is Denny Pratt for Leicester. Two starts now in the hole behind Vardy and two decent performances. The only issue for him would be the return of Madison, who's made a couple of appearances now from the bench. Um, and although Madison's come on for Perez on both occasions, it's that spot that Pratt's been starting in where Madison will probably retake his place. But, you know, his ownership for for Pratt is currently uh, between 2 and 9%. So he's there if you want to take him for a week or two. Finally is Diangana for West Brom. Uh, his ownership is uh, below 10% in most leagues. A lot of hype around this guy uh, who West Brom managed to permanently sign from West Ham following a fairly successful loan stint last year. To give you a sense of, of how rated this guy is, if you think of the inner turmoil at West Ham as as a war. This transfer felt like the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Aside from Pereira, Diangana is the only other player with real quality in that West Brom team. And, you know, there are no attractive fixtures for West Brom, so it might be worth trialling him in your team for a few game weeks and just see how he does. None of the strikers with below 10% ownership uh, I felt were worthy of a mention this week. Um, with even the likes of Andy Carroll finding himself owned in nearly half of larger leagues. So, enough said. 
So as I said at the beginning, I would just put an extra segment in today to go through uh, a few of the new transfers that have been garnering a lot of interest and seeing a lot of questions asked on different forums about these guys. So I just thought I'd give my thoughts on them, starting with Thiago. Fantastic signing for Liverpool and, you know, one of the few areas that uh, you felt Liverpool could have improved their starting eleven. We've been lucky enough to see 45 minutes of him already and he's doing exactly what it says on the tin, just being constantly available to receive the ball, quickly moving the ball on and just setting a great tempo for the team as a whole. In terms of an asset for FPL, I see him as being very similar to the other Liverpool midfielders. Realistic tally for him on the season would be around eight goal involvements. Otherwise, you know, he's going to be one that's just picking up three points most weeks. Now, if Liverpool had a good fixture or had a double game week, he's definitely someone I'd consider in that scenario. But as is the case in general for FPL, centre mids aren't an overly attractive option. Next is Sergio Reguilón, who is the new left back signed from Real Madrid for Spurs. Could be the biggest signing for Spurs looking you know, years ahead in a position that has become very stagnant. Sessegnon was brought in um, to try and add some competition but hasn't really shone um, as soon as I think was predicted. And Davies has just continued chugging away at left back like a Volvo that refuses to break down. Now, uh, Reguilón was loaned out to Sevilla last season, helped them win the Europa League um, and was there for them in the league most weeks, made 31 appearances, got a couple of goals and four assists. So he's definitely a lot more forward thinking than Davies, who hasn't logged a single goal or assist since the 17-18 season. And once fully up to speed, I would expect him to be the first choice in that spot. He's not someone I'd be desperate to get on the waivers this week, but he's certainly somebody that will be taken. So don't expect to be able to wait around for him if you do fancy him in your team. Finally then, uh, Gareth Bale, back at Spurs. The name on every bottom place manager's lips this week. Um, as of Tuesday, he is in the game and available to be wavered in ahead of game week three, though it seems unlikely we'll see him feature this side of the October international break and possibly even longer than that. The last time we saw him in the Premier League was way back in the 2012-13 season where he picked up 21 goals nine assists before heading off to Real Madrid, where there has been a very public falling out over the last few seasons. It's a shame that football has lost a few years of Pete Gareth Bale, but hopefully now back somewhere he is absolutely adored, can see him produce a few more additions to his glittering highlight reel. The numbers from his last few seasons are obviously disappointing, though aside from last season, not terrible for the number of minutes he was actually given. Fitness is another area of concern but given the way the last couple of years have gone, despite being 31 now, there aren't too many miles on the clock. He's an absolute no-brainer first waiver this week and I can't imagine a draft league situation where the bottom place manager could pass on this opportunity. Now I ran a poll on Twitter asking if Bale had been signed Ahead of game week one, where would you have taken him on draft day? Now, as of about 10 o'clock on Tuesday, we've had just under 300 votes. And the most popular uh, pick with just over half of all the votes was that people said they would take him somewhere between picks 
11 to 20 with fairly even numbers taking me the side of that in either picks 1 to 10 or 21 to 30. I think in my head, um, you know, before I put the poll up, I was thinking somewhere around pick 20 overall. So um, the, the, the voters seem to support that. There's a chance in smaller leagues of, you know, maybe around six managers that you're sitting on five midfielders that you're perfectly happy with. But Bale is 100% good enough to be in your squad and room should be made accordingly. Depending on the business done in the next couple of weeks, I will possibly mark out a section of the pod to discuss some of the other new players that come into the league. Um, But uh, we'll have to see how it goes. On to the negative ones then, the over-owned players to get rid of and my one to avoid. Many of the same names from last week uh, as managers have been slow to move them on. Dubravka still high, he's injured. Johnny for Wolves still high and he's injured. Uh, Zinchenko, not one to you know place your chips on in Pep Roulette still. Uh, Jeff Hendrick was my one to avoid from last week but uh, you just didn't listen did you he's now owned in 20% of smaller leagues and in some bigger leagues over 50% ownership so I mean refer to last week for my main thoughts but essentially he's not an FPL asset and he lucked out in the first week finally uh, Meza Ozil still disgustingly over owned with only a minor downturn in his ownership from last week if you need any evidence that this podcast isn't listened to enough, you need look no further than Ozil's ownership stats. But the crusade goes on. My one to avoid this week to save me using Hendrik again is new Premier League superstar Thiago for all the reasons previously outlined before. Just let somebody else picking up pick him up in your league. There are usually a couple of Liverpool fans knocking around. So, you know, look to... Wolves, Brighton, Southampton for some slightly less glamorous picks, but with far more upside and a better track record. That's it for this episode. Hopefully I've mentioned a player or two that you may not have been considering. So you've got some food for thought ahead of the waiver deadline, which for game week three, as it was last week, will be at 11am on Friday. Uh, 25th September and remember it's never too early to pencil a couple in. As previously mentioned fpldrafthub.com is now live and kicking and totally free so you can have full unrestricted access to all of the numbers and stats I've been talking about in this episode. You'll not be able to get these kind of player ownership stats anywhere else combined with the personalized stats for your team and league there is nothing else like this out there. You can catch all future episodes of this podcast wherever you want, be it Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn, or simply ask your smart speaker to play the FPL Draft Hub podcast. If you found this useful, please give it a share, subscribe so that you don't miss out when the next ones are released, and please consider leaving us a review because it really helps us out. If you've got any questions, ideas, or feedback for us about the podcast or the site, the easiest way to get through is on Twitter at FPL Draft Hub Pod or at FPL Draft Hub. Or if social media isn't your thing, you can email FPL Draft Hub Pod at gmail.com. So thanks for listening. Don't forget your waivers. And as always, stay shook.